Spooky bitches, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Morbid Curiosity, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Nicole. I'll be taking you through some of the most heinous, shocking, and morbid crimes, including, of course, the paranormal, where we like to discuss every detail of the case so we are not left hanging. Warning, graphic details may be included. Don't forget to check me out on Instagram at morbid.curiosity.tcpodcast. For photos, sometimes even crime scene photos related to our case. But don't worry, even though we do love true crime, we still respect our victims and what they went through. And there will be no postmortem photos posted. Stay spooky and let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks for tuning back in to episode number three. I am going to warn you, I have a head-splitting migraine today, but I still wanted to hop on and record this episode for everyone. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Don't forget to come check us out on Instagram to find um, photos related to our cases. Um, As I said said in the intro, there will sometimes be crime scene photos. but I will try to label those that have them um, in there. That way you're aware of what you're about to be looking at. Um, so yeah, let's get started. So unfortunately, the Pappen sisters did not have a good childhood or upbringing. Um, it was very unfortunate as to what they had to endure as a child through their childhood, even up until um, the acts were committed. So the life that they had um, was not often admirable or um, envied by anyone around them. The parents' names were Clements Derry and Gustav Pappen, so mother and father. Um, They were in conflict long before they had their three daughters. Um, There was whispers of Clements having affairs. Although, of course, that was a long time ago and we couldn't confirm anything. But the first daughter that was born, her name was Amelia. And that was in 1902. And, of course, with that, they did not celebrate. They were not happy about it. Um, They were actually pretty disgusted. Uh, Christine, the second child, uh, she was born March 8th, 1905. Again, her parents were disgusted. And why they kept having kids, no one knows. But her mother, their mother was severely depressed and the father was really deep in alcoholism. They obviously couldn't care for them. So they sent Christine to live with her aunt shortly after she was born. She was later relocated to a Catholic orphanage at the age of seven. And then at the age of 10, Amelia joined her at Bon Pasteur, I hope I said that right, Bon Pasteur Catholic Orphanage. Can't even speak, guys. Sorry, I got a migraine, so you guys may have to just bear with me. Um, Now, Amelia, bless her, when she was 9 or 10, like right before she was sent to the orphanage, um, it was alleged that Gustav, the dad, had raped her. Um, now Clements being the, in quotations, world greatest mother, um, 
sat there and was like, eh, I think you seduced your father, so we're going to send you to the orphanage. <laughs> That's literally what they had done. So she accused her of seducing her own father at the age of 9 or 10, sent her on over to an orphanage, which was known for its brutality and its discipline techniques. Soon after, Amelia did join, um, she was joined by, excuse me, she was joined by Christine and Leah. Now, Leah was the youngest. She was born in 1911. Um, that was like the final child that they had together, thank God. And so, with the intense household, um, she did stay with them, surprisingly, for a little while anyway. Um, but she grew up a little bit nervous and quiet. And unfortunately, she is described as unintelligent uh, with an obedient spirit. So she was like a perfect child to them, but yet she was still sent to live with her uncle and then also sent to an orphanage afterwards. Um, the time that the sisters did spend with the parents was obviously chaotic. There was crazy arguments, um, unfortunately attempted molestation and rape and other forms of physical and verbal abuse. Eventually, though, the parents did get a divorce. Um, as, as the mother grew jealous, and this is why they got a divorce. So the mother grew jealous of the attention Gustav was paying their daughters. So all the attempted molestations and rapes, their mother was jealous, which is insane to me. But they got divorced in 1903, or 1913. I couldn't find an exact date. Shortly after they did get divorced, um, the girls, uh, which I believe Christine and Leah from my research, they spent time in mental institutions. It was very hard for them. Um, they were very quiet. They rarely talked, but they always were together. People who witnessed them being in the institutions believed that the girls were telepath. Uh, sorry, guys, I can't speak today. I'm sorry, I got a migraine. <clears throat> they believed that they were telepathic due to them always being silent and their weird, unspoken understanding of each other. So during the orphanage time, Amelia, the eldest, wanted to become a nun, so she entered a convent. Uh, she ended all of her relationships in her family. So she um, just isolated herself. And as far as we know, she lived the remainder of her life there. Um, during Christine's time at the orphanage, she wanted to also become a nun, but her mother refused to let her do that. So instead, she placed her in employment. So... During Christine being in a convent, she was trained in various household duties, um, easing her into becoming a live-in maid type thing um, or type job. So the sisters, which Christine and Leah, um, they then worked as maids in various LeMans homes. Uh, they did prefer to work together if and when allowed to. Um, they did not really like being apart from each other. The two of them were described as extremely quiet and shy. They liked to keep to themselves, and they appeared to have no interest in anything else but each other. Uh, Christine was described also as a hard worker and a good cook. 
Although she can be a little bit insubordinate sometimes, she still was a good worker. And Leah was described as quiet, introverted, and obedient. Um, but she was also described here as well as less intelligent than Christine, her sister. Uh, the employers were always really content with their work. Um, they got things done and they did a good job. Now, however, their mother was not satisfied with their, with their pay and then she forced them to seek new jobs. Now, their mother had visited the two sisters regularly, but there was always a certain degree of like friction between her and Christine. And then two years before the acts were committed, there was a complete rift between both girls and the mom, apparently over disagreements over their pay or money. The mom wrote to them on occasion after this, but they pretty much just ignored it. And then after their release from the institution, which the orphanage, uh, the girls managed to get jobs as maids like they wanted to or like her, their parents or mom wanted them to. So they got jobs as live-in maids. So after they got out of the orphanage in 1926, they both scored dream jobs of being live-in maids for Monsieur René Lancelin, a retired lawyer uh, who lived with his wife, Madame Leonie Lancelin, and their younger daughter, Genevieve. Um, their older daughter was married and not living with them at the time. So it was just the three of them. The, they lived in like a beautiful two-story townhome on number six Rue Bury in the city of Le Mans. Now, I know I did not pronounce that right. I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't speak. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how to pronounce French stuff, but, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, but by outside accounts, the family treated them really well, and they ate the same food as the family, also living in a heated room in the attic, and they were paid the standard wage of the time. However, neither of the, one, neither of the women had ever spoken to their boss, Renee Lancelin, in the entire seven years they worked there. That is insane, but... That's just, I guess, the way of the time then. Um, I did find a quote. Now, I don't know if this is an actual quote or if it's just something somebody made up, but this was from Renee Lancelin. And he stated pretty much the quarrel with the mother certainly soured the character of the girls. Um, they became sour and taciturn. Um, since that time, neither my wife nor I have exchanged conversations with them outside of service. They were polite. We felt they that the observations would be poorly received. And as our house service was very well done, we did not give rise to any criticism. We were patient. So that's what he said about the girls and the situation. Um, now, to worsen this relationship, not only did they not talk to each other, but the wife, was cold and withdrawn from the sisters. Um, although she was the one that communicated what to do with them, she literally wrote them directions. Never speaking a word, just written directions. Um, gave it to them, walked away, I guess. Um, now, she was also a woman that uh, demanded perfection. So she routinely performed what they call white glove tests. So I'm a 
I'm assuming she took white cotton glove, whatever they, you know, had back then. Um, took it, swiped it on all the furniture, on everything to make sure that they actually dusted or dusted well. Now, before the crimes or the crime, uh, the professional behavior of the siblings was apparently excellent from what I understand from my research. Um, in fact, most of the French upper class households, um, they were like very envy of them for having such dedicated and hardworking domestic help. Um, now, here's where it gets a little like, okay, right? There were occasions of Madame Lancelin physically assaulting and abusing the girls. Now, the abuse worsened, and at its worst, she was slamming their head against walls. And that kind of led in to the crime. So on the evening of February 2nd, 1933, um, the family, Renee, Leonie, and Genevieve were supposed to go out and do some stuff before going to uh, Leonie's brothers for like dinner or whatever. They were not supposed to come home at any point. They were supposed to go out and then directly over. So the mother and daughter went on a shopping trip uh, Renee went out with a friend for a little while. Uh, they were going to meet up over there. Um, the siblings, which is Christine and Leah, decided to continue their errands. And one of them was supposed to be that they were going to go pick up a uh, repaired iron that the family sent off to get fixed. I'm assuming by what happened next, it had electrical problems. Because when they plugged in the iron into an outlet, it blew the fuse and the whole house, the whole power went down. And they were like, eh, we got time. They're not supposed to be home until late evening, you know, like later in the day or whatever. So they were going to wait. They were going to wait to fix it. But what happened? The wife and the daughter decided to come home. And when they saw the power out, Leonie freaked out and started an attack on Christine on the first floor landing. So Madame Lancelin, she became irate, attacked her. Leah was upstairs in their room, heard what was going on, ran downstairs to help the sister Christine. Genevieve, the daughter, you know, saw what was going on, decided to try to help defend the mom because at this point, Christine got attacked, she took a pewter jug and smashed it on the mom's head, on Madame Lancelin's head, not to confuse you guys. Um, so Genevieve jumped in trying to defend her, Christine was attacking both of them, Leah come down, she started attacking the mom, uh, Christine of course agging it on while she was dealing with Genevieve. Uh, another quote I found was from Christine Pappen who said, seeing that Miss Lancelin was going to throw herself on me, I jumped on her face and I tore her eyes off with my fingers. During this time, my sister Leah jumped on her as well and tore her eyes off. Uh, we did that. They laid down or squatted on the spot. Then I rushed down to the kitchen and went to get a hammer and a kitchen knife. And that's what she had reported to police. Um, now, of course, the mother and the daughter's eyes 
were ripped from the sockets. So they both, you know, attacked them, took their eyes out. Now, with that being said, they were kind of rendered helpless at this point. Um, the sisters did get a hammer, a knife, a pewter pot, which they still had. And they kept hitting them until they just went silent and laid on the floor. Um, now, in the midst of all this, with the kitchen knife, it was reported that they mutilated their genitals with a kitchen knife. They cut their legs and thighs and their buttocks. So they went like complete overkill on this. Um, after two hours, they finally decided to call it quits. Um, they decided they were going to clean up a little bit, take the weapons, get naked. Of course, at this point, they were covered head to toe in blood. Uh, curled up under the sheets together and they just waited because they knew that Renee would come home um, whenever the, the girls did not show up, like the wife and the daughter, and they didn't show up at the brother's house. They knew he would come home. So they just waited for the inevitable. They knew they were going to get caught anyway. So the two, um, there was like a crime scene analysts. There's like two of them, I think. They had stated that the crime scene looks like a blood orgy. There was, like, blood everywhere. Um, now, Lancelin's wife and daughter, they did get murdered in a very brutal way. And it was said that they had been tortured for several minutes before they actually passed away. Now, of course, Renee was correct. When they didn't make it to dinner, he was very, very concerned. So he went home to look for his family. He found the entire townhouse still pitch black and locked and completely silent. He contacted the police. Um, it, there were different reports of how they actually got into the home. But the most common that I found was the police made entry by climbing over the garden wall and breaking into a door back there in the back. Once inside, they found the bodies of Madame Lancelin and the daughter Genevieve. Now, it is said that they were both bludgeoned and stabbed to the point of being unrecognizable. Now, that is 100% true because if you look up this case on Google, you would not be able to tell that was even a person besides, this, besides their, like, lower half. Like, they like, totally destroyed these women. It's It was very, very graphic and unbelievable. But with the eyes being gouged out, um, now, Madame Lancelin's eyes were found in her scarf on her neck. They were, like, laying folded in the scarf. And Genevieve's eyes, one was found under her body, and the other was found near the stairs. Now, initially, he feared that the two... Christine and Leah, had also been slaughtered somewhere in the home. So he was, like, super concerned about them as well, thinking it was, like, a mass murder or something. So, to his surprise, when they went upstairs to go check to see if they were okay, they found the Pappen sisters perfect health. They were covered in blood, naked in bed together, and the murder weapons were nearby in a chair, I believe. It, the murder weapons consisted of a carving knife, a hammer, a pewter pitcher, or 
um, which that one had been so damaged, it was rendered useless. The pewter pitcher was. After the two sisters were found naked in bed together, they immediately confessed to the double murder. They claimed that it was self-defense because Christine said it was her or us, is what she said to the police. And then Leah told the police, from now on, I am dumb and deaf. So she was like, eh, I don't know anything. Don't know a thing. And Christine was like, yeah, that was us. <laughs> like Two complete opposite confessions. It's kind of crazy. Um, now, this quote that I found, it was from Leah Pappen in 1966. Um, it's a little head. It's, it's like after they got in prison and all that kind of stuff. But I wanted to go ahead and pop it in there. Um, so she said, Christine watches me. She is always beautiful and young. She smiles as in the old days with irony. I come apart. I shrivel up. I sweat from fear. I faint. Kind of weird to say about your sister, but you know, I mean, you just murdered somebody and got naked together. So doesn't really surprise me very much, I suppose. Now, when they were asked why they murdered these two women, and what happened and what led up to this, Christine stated, um, or she claimed rather, that while ironing, the fuse blew and um, it was the second week that it had occurred, which set off a confrontation between Christine and Madame Lancelin uh, when they popped up at the house again when they weren't supposed to. The two sisters were, of course, arrested, and they were sent off to the police station um, pretty much still naked, despite it being February and being cold. So, of course, this crime shocked the town of Le Mans. The sisters had a good reputation for being good workers, quiet, getting their work done, and they had worked for this family for six or seven years before this. They had um, no criminal history. Their work references described them as honest, industrious, and proper. Um, and they appeared to have no vices or vendettas against anyone. And they were reg regular churchgoers. Now, with this, of course, the citizens did not sleep easy in their beds from what was reported. Everyone was wandering are my servant? <clears throat> excuse me. Are my servants gonna kill me? <laughs> is what everyone was thinking because everyone in that time had servants. So um, overnight, pretty much the two sisters just became infamous in France. Um, it was a crime of the century, according to French press. And Janet Flanner, under the pen name Jeanette, wrote about the case for the New Yorker. Um, spreading, of course, the infamy across the Atlantic. Now, there were speculations that the two sisters were lovers because they were found in bed naked together, um, which I can never find any correlation or uh, confirmation with them being naked, with them being in an intimate relationship. There's movies that I've came across that has fantasized this, but... It was never reported true, so I don't really believe that. I think they were just, you know, they they committed the crime and they were like, you know what, let's just wait. <laughs> While they were naked, I don't know. But anyway, so 
there were speculations of that. And then suddenly they just pretty much became famous. Um, the case piqued the interest of Jean, and I cannot pronounce the last name, so I'm so sorry. Cocktoo? Maybe like a bird? I don't know. Uh, the Jean Paul and Jean Paul satire, who believes that the crime was evidence of a class struggle, um, not so much so that they were like in cahoots um, sexually with one another. Um, now, the two women did reportedly work 12 to 14 hours a day with only half a day off during the week. So they did have a strenuous work schedule, um, as well as the reported abuse from the wife and um, the trouble that she was giving them about cleaning. Because when, now it was reported somewhere that Madame Lancelin was like severely depressed and she started taking her mental illness out on the sisters. And that's why she started conducting the white glove tests. Um, that's also another research study that I found here. But wasn't reported a lot, so we're just going with what's reported um, the most that I found. So then comes the trial. Eight months after they were arrested uh, in September of 1933. So during the trial, they did state um, why it happened. So again, the argument developed that Leah joined in, you know, all that kind of stuff. So she told them again what happened. The daughter, Genevieve, of course, had received um, similar treatment. So Christine had then gone to the kitchen. She got the weapons. She finished them off. Now, the blows and the hacks were directed almost entirely to their heads. Literally, no faces were left on these women. Um, not to be crude, but they literally do not have a face. Um, the sisters did gouge the eyes out, of course, with their fingers, as reported earlier. Um, during the trial, the sisters did try to protect each other. They did not blame each other. They both took sole responsibility for the crimes. They did not try to say it was a combined, oh, we're guilty together, we're guilty separate. No, it was like, I did it, she didn't, kind of thing. Um, at the trial, of course, the white glove test came up. Um, she also commented on Christine's cooking, uh, supposedly by having formal notes delivered to the kitchen by the youngest daughter, uh, Genevieve, who still lived at home. Um, Madame Lancelin had also once forced Leah to get on her knees to get a piece of paper that she forgot while she cleaned. Uh, Madame also allowed them to have heat in their attic, which was so kind. How kind of you, ma'am. Uh, but you're a bitch everywhere else. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I guess, you know, heat's cool, but like, or great back then, but like, holy shit, you're like so mean to them and then you can just give them heat but not be nice to them like doesn't make sense anyway so she gave them enough to eat although christine was kind of unsure of if the employers even liked them or anything because even when like like they never spoke to each other six or seven years of working for somebody and you never spoke a word to them so she wasn't sure she didn't know if they liked her or not um, now, with that, with that being said, the six or seven years with no talking, kind of, 
kind of like contradicting though because like supposedly she like abused them and stuff and um what did I just what did I just say she made her get on her knees for a piece of paper like what are you gonna do just grab my shoulder and push them down like I don't understand how she didn't really talk to them but Anyway, so the case, of course, had, like, a huge impact on the public. The town's people were, like, debating about it all the time, about, like, who was wrong, who was right, did they deserve it, did they not, blah, blah, blah. Uh, some people considered that the murders had been the result of exploitation of the workers, considering that the sisters worked 14-hour days with only half a day off a week, which, that could drive anybody crazy. That's insane. Um, so, in July 1933, uh, Christine, in the middle of trial, had a huge fit, or an episode, whatever you want to call it. She tried to gouge out her own eyeballs and had to be put into a straitjacket. She made a statement to investigating magistrate in which she said that on the day of the murders, she had experienced an episode just like that one she just had, and uh, that was what... Uh, happened. That's that's why the murders happened. She just had a fit. Uh, the judge dismissed her, of course, probably laughed at her as well. Um, <laughs> he then was like, eh, I'm gonna hold you in contempt. Uh, no thanks. So Leah insisted that she had taken part in the murders, um, although Christine said no. But the sisters then got a lawyer. They chose to plead not guilty by the reason of insanity on behalf of both of them. They both shown signs of mental illness, such as limiting eye contact and staring straight ahead, appearing to be in a daze. I do that on the daily. Like, what the heck? <laughs> I do that on a daily. You just freaking zone out. Anybody else ever zone out while you're driving and you're like, how the hell did I get to my destination without dying? Because I do that all the time, and I'm like, the fuck? So that's what I imagine. It's just, you zone out, you're tired. So the court appointed three doctors, three doctors, to give them psych evals to make sure that they were, you know, uh, sane and could stand trial and understood that their actions have consequences. So two concluded that they had absolutely no mental disorders, and seemed sane and fit to stand trial. As far as the third one, I'm not really sure. Couldn't find anything about it. He probably suggested they were kind of cuckoo, cuckoo. Who knows? But, so they also believed that Christine's affection for her sister was based on family ties. And this was what I was saying earlier. It was not an incestuous relationship, as others suggested, after the doctors avowed them. So, they didn't really believe the sisters were, like, in love with one another or intimate or anything like that. Like, they literally just believed it was just because they were abused, maybe abused as kids, and were close. They had each other and only each other, you know? Uh, the medical testimony notated a history of mental illness in the family. The uncle died by suicide the, um, while their cousin was living in an asylum. The psychological community struggled and debated, of course, over these forever after they came out. Um, much after consideration, though, it was concluded that Christine and Leah suffered from shared paranoid disorder, which is, like, believed to occur when groups or pairs of people are isolated from the world. They develop paranoia. 
um, in which one partner dominates the other. So this was especially true of Leah, though, because, you know, she's like obedient and like quiet. So she was definitely overshadowed and obedient to her sister, Christine, because Christine was dominant in the relationship. Um, there was also testimony of how Christine, who was like of average intelligence, was a complete dominant person in the relationship, like I just said. Uh, Leah, who was low intelligence, had been dominated to the point to where her personality had virtually disappeared into Christine's personality. There was also a history of mental illness in the whole family, and their father was alleged to have raped their elder sister, Amelia. Of course, you know, we still had those allegations that he raped or molested the other girls as well. I don't think that came up in the trial from what I found anyway. Um, after the trial, though, jurors took 40 minutes to determine that the Pappers, Papper, the Pappen sisters were guilty of the crime of which they had been accused. So Leah originally, like, she was thought to be under the influence of Christine. So she was kind of given a lighter sentence. So it was actually a 10-year sentence for her because she was found to be, like, manipulated and stuff like that, unfortunately. Um, which is sad because as a child, and if you're being abused or molested or anything, and your mom's being a bitch and, like, hey, you seduced your own father, like, like being a horrible monster as well, you have nobody but your sisters. Like, you know, the eldest sister couldn't help it. She got sent off first to the orphanage. That probably took their protection away. Christine was next in line because she's the older one. So you look up to your eldest or your next eldest sister for protection. She got sent away and then you're left. So I can see why uh, she was very obedient. You know, she had to be obedient or something bad would happen. Like, I get it. It's sad that they murdered these two women, but unfortunately, that is sad. So, Christine, now Christine, she was originally sentenced to death by guillotine, uh, or guillotine. Good Lord, I can't talk. Sorry, guys. So, she was originally sentenced to the death penalty, pretty much, of what it would be back then. Now, although that sentence was later turned into life imprisonment instead, which was kind of like common in the case of women anyway back then, uh, Leah was given a sentence of 10 years, which we know. Um, so, yeah, so one got life imprisonment, one got 10-year sentence. Um, now, some other medical studies that have been done. So, studies show Christine Pappen appears to have suffered from the paranoid schizophrenia. Why I was so slow saying that, I have no idea. <laughs> paranoid schizophrenia. Um, which usually comes later in life, like one, like late teens or like early 20s. It's not really something you would see in a younger person. Um, now, however, in, 19, in the 1930s, of course, you know, they all you know, get off to the asylum with them kind of thing. Um, there was no treatment for this. And, and there's still really not a treatment for it. Now, you can be on like, I think they do have some kind of meds to try to help nowadays, but it doesn't, it doesn't really do much. You know, eventually one just slips off into the abyss and it just kind of happens. Now, she was treated like with a cocktail of various drugs. 
which would have given her some quality of life, but it didn't really didn't really help much. Like I said, uh, Leah, on the other hand, never had time for mental illness. Um, she just had to have been like appeared very shy and anxious, and she had panic attacks when she was stressed out. Uh, during the trial, doctors testified that Leah's personality seemed to have disappeared into Christine's. So pretty much she was just the shadow of her sister. Um, and her sister was to blame as to why she did what she did. Uh, the employers never had a bad word to say about Leah. Uh, where now as Christine had a difficult personality. She had been dismissed for rude and disrespectful behavior on more than one occasion. So you know she was a shit starter. Um, Leah's tragedy was that she was just so dominated by the sister one employer, in fact, suggested to Leah's mother that she probably should place the two girls in separate jobs because Christine was an absolute horrible influence on Leah. The mother obviously did not give a shit and didn't separate them as suggested, which probably would have helped um, if, they were, if they weren't already so entied or entangled in one another as far as sharing past abuse. Um, the two sisters did seem to suffer, of course, from the paranoid disorder that we talked about earlier. Um, they often led an intense, inward-looking ex existence with a paranoid view of the outside world. Um, it is also typical in shared paranoid disorder that one partner dominates the other, and they seem to be the perfect example of this medical condition, per the doctors. Uh now up comes prison. So prison. Christine exhibited extreme behavior, like, like she does, because she drama. According to the witness, she had extreme visions and unholy reactions. What the heck that means, we don't know. They didn't go into detail, unfortunately. Um, she kept calling for her sister Leah, of course, who had been separate, separated in prison finally from her. Uh, so when the two were reunited, because they were like, eh, okay, fine, you know, like, we'll let you guys maybe meet just once to calm Christine down. Christine's behavior was inappropriately sexual towards her own sister. Um, from what I could find, uh, what they mean by this is, like, she ran over to Leah and was, like, touching her inappropriately, from what I understand. Like, she was just throwing herself all over her. Um, whether that was sexual or not, I mean, I wasn't there, so I don't really know. Um, maybe there was like a little bit of an intimate connection. We don't know. Nobody knows. The doctors say no. Some people say yes. Like the police say yes. I mean, it's just, you know, nobody really knows. So in July of 1933, Christine experienced some kind of episode again. She also tried to gouge her eyes out, put in a straight jacket. Um, she then restated her, uh, excuse me, she then recanted her statement to the police, um, saying that she had, of course, the same episode the day of the murder. She tried to take her statement back, and she was the only one that committed the crimes, not her sister. And, of course, the judge dismissed it and was just like, ah, whatever, you know, like, you're such a liar. So, and the jury, of course, at the trial treated it the same way, so... That was kind of like taken off the table. Uh, Leah insisted that she did take part in the murder. So, I mean, eh, you know, she was trying to be responsible for it, I guess. 
So, of course, in prison, Christine um, had a really hard time being separated from her sister. She claimed that she had extreme visions, and un- and she- people said that she- her reactions were just insane. So, she kept calling for her sister over and over and over. When they did eventually let them both meet again, her behavior was reported as inappropriately sexual towards her sister. Um, so... Again, you know, I mean, we don't really know if it was actual sexual or not between the two, but it's kind of hinted at. I don't really know. I wasn't there. I didn't know these people, but it it was reported quite often that it was kind of inappropriate. Now, of course, with it being, you know, in the early 1900s, I say that like I wasn't born in 1994. (laughs) Um back in back in the day um of course you know they both have passed away um amelia it's undetermined we don't know when miss amelia passed away unfortunately um as far as i know she lived out her life at the convent with the nuns uh good on her getting away from everything not being a part of it uh now Christine did eventually starve herself to death in prison she refused to eat she refused to do anything she eventually got really depressed. She was transferred to a couple of different mental institutions, hoping that she would benefit from it, but eh, she just kind of wasted away, honestly. So that was May 18, 1937. She died at age 32. Now, Leah, you know, she she got a light sentence, 10 years in prison. She got out after eight years of good behavior. She was released in 1941. She lived in the town of Nazis. Nantes, however you say it, in A-N-T-E-S. It is French. Reminder, I don't speak French. Um, but she was joined by her mom, where she got a job at a maid, as a maid in a hotel, of course, using a false name, because why wouldn't you? You're a murderer. You know, kind of happens. Um, some accounts state that Leah died in uh, 1982, but the French film producer Claude Ventura claims that he discovered her living in hospice uh, in a hospice center in France in 2000 while creating his film In the Search of the Pappen Sisters. The the woman he claimed to be Leah had suffered a stroke, uh, which rendered her partially paralyzed and uh, unable to speak, really. So um, now that woman that he claimed was Leah died July 24th, 2001 at 89. They did bury the sisters together. Um, I listed the cemetery name on Instagram, uh, because I can't pronounce this name. Uh, I tried, I tried. It did not come out of my mouth very nice. So I, I'm just going to let you guys go check it out on Instagram. Uh, morbid period curiosity period TC podcast. Go check, go check it out. I got some photos on there. Um, now there were some movies made, of course, after all of this happened. Uh, one being murderous maids. Um, it's pretty much the story of the two lives and the murder and all this other stuff. So other other movies have been made as well. Um, some of them sexualizing the two women together, two sisters together, which is eh, not my cup of tea. So you know, I don't I don't really believe those movies blew up. Hopefully not. I don't know. But anyway, so that's all for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for bearing with me through the migraine and the word vomit. Uh, don't forget to rate us please on apple Podcasts if you enjoy the podcast uh, if you have anything to add to this case and or update 
as far as information, or even just tell me how to pronounce some of these dang French words, uh, you can email me at morbid, period, curiosity, period. I'm sorry, I lied. <laughs> you guys can email me at morbid curiosity tc podcast no periods no periods for this this is not instagram um at gmail so morbid curiosity tc podcast at gmail.com email me love you guys thanks for listening today like i said please share the podcast with friends families uh other spooky bitches that you may know uh anything like that that'd be great hope you guys enjoyed Uh, Don't forget to stay tuned for other episodes. I am going to try to update every week, if not every other week. Uh, Be kind, stay spooky, and don't fucking murder anyone.